Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! You know, to start by simply saying, welcome into the Big Red Rage, just doesn't seem to suffice or do it justice. Yes. Not, not when the Valley of the Sun is the absolute epicenter. It's a basin bowl. The epicenter. The Valley is the epicenter, Ron Wolfley, of the sporting world right now. We do mean global. Nowhere on the face of the earth has as much popping and happening with as much magnitude and momentum, star power, right? Dollar signs as the AZ right here, right now. Wolf, how does it feel to be where it's at. I have no idea what you are talking about right now, Paulie. Oh, maybe the Super Bowl? Is that it? Can we actually say the Super Bowl? Of course we can. We can actually say the Super Bowl. It's kind of good. You don't have to call it the big game, Paulie. You could actually call it the Super Bowl. It's kind of like you calling it a valley. Why don't you just stand up and scratch your butt right now, Paul? Because that's what it is. It's not a valley. It's a basin. Thank you. Basinonians, just remember, it's the big... (laughs) Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. It is Super Bowl 57 that is in town, oh, along with the biggest party on the PGA Tour. <laughs> the biggest trade of the NBA season just went down, did it not? The biggest single game, uh, sorry, World Cup, in, in global uh, happenings goes off on Sunday at the Cardinal Stadium. And then as we get into next week, guess what? The Big Red's going to have big news with a head coach, we figure, at some point. Yes, that sounds good. So... This is just one week in our life. This is every week in the life of Dave Pash. If you were the voice of the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of dinner and uh, some vino as well. (laughs) That's right. It's always celebrities and star power and happenings and different sporting events all over the nation. That is Dave Pash. Over 20 years as the voice of the Arizona Cardinals and joining us on this very special edition of the Big Red Rage. Dave, how are we doing? Paul, I think we need to get this show going here by blowing things up. So, Wolf, why don't you go ahead and say something controversial? <laughs> okay. Good luck. You'll still end up on page seven. Oh, I mean, I mean, we got the as you said, Paul. We got, we got Durant coming here. We got the a new GM, a head coach here soon. Go ahead, Wolf. Just. Yeah. Light the city on fire. What are you bringing to the party, there. Wolf? What are you yeah, doing around here? How about this right here? Dave Patch is in the Big Easy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it could be a long night, if you know what I mean. How about that? Is that controversial for you? Uh, yeah, a long night of prepping for two games in a 24-hour span. That's that's my life right now. Going from New Orleans to, to Eugene, Oregon, and somehow getting there before tip-off on Saturday night. So that's my life right now. All right, so we'll get into the Super Bowl a little bit later in this edition of the Big Red Rage, but uh, we figure with two finalists reportedly getting interviews this week, 
in Lou Anarumo, which we'll talk about in depth next. But let's talk about Mike Kafka here, uh, Dave. And, and let's start with Patrick Mahomes this week meeting the media, okay? And, and here's what he had to say about his one-time quarterback coach a few years ago in KC. Coach Kafka is a special person and a special coach, and uh, he, he kind of took me when he first got here. He was quality control, and that was my first year as a rookie, and so I spent a lot of hours with Coach Kafka where he was teaching me the playbook and teaching me how to become a quarterback in the NFL, um, and that continued for a long time, and I knew right when he left here he was going to be a head coach somewhere soon, and so uh, I know he's down there in Arizona, and if he gets hired there, he'll, he'll get that place turned around, and uh, he's a great coach and a great person as well, so I'm excited for him. Now, he's interviewed in this process with the Colts, with Carolina, with Houston. And now he's going to have his second interview at least with the Cardinals, the Giants play caller last season, the offensive coordinator, and got a lot of credit, Dave, for turning around Daniel Jones from a turnover machine to a really effective playoff quarterback this year. You know, the whole thing with Mike Kafka has really just exploded over the last couple of years. You know, I think about, guys, 2010, the Outback Bowl I called that game. I think Mike set the record for passing attempts. I think he <laughs> threw the ball 78 times. Oh, my. Um, At Northwestern, I, right? I re- yes, they played Auburn. I remember that for two reasons. I remember that game for that reason, uh, how many passes Mike had in that game, but also because that's the game Gene Chizik, who was the head coach of Auburn, said, you know, we got this kid coming in next year. He's a junior college transfer. His name is Cameron Newton. You think he's got a chance to help us? <laughs> wow. So, like, that that game stands out. So it is a little weird uh, 13 years later here to be talking about, uh, you know, Mike possibly being the head coach of the Cardinals. But it's a meteoric rise. I mean, seven years ago he was a GA at Northwestern. Uh, you know, he's obviously done a very good job with where he is uh, or where he's been. And I don't think Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes would just throw out compliments uh, unless they meant it. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about Mike Kafka from others. So, uh, you know, if he en- ends up being the choice, it, it's somebody that obviously has uh, impressed. The Cardinals have interviewed so many people. So it's got to be somebody that stands out in the interview process that already has uh, the chops. And clearly this is somebody that, you know, a lot of people think is, is on the rise. So if you're the Cardinals and you're looking for a young offensive mind and you grab him now, kind of like the Rams did with Sean McVay, you know, imagine if the Rams didn't hire Sean McVay when they did, somebody would have in the next two years. Yeah. that's And a, so, you know, maybe Mike Cap is in the same position. It's a matter of, you know, is this the right time for him to get the head coaching job? Because it's going to happen inevitably here soon. Yeah. You know, you, you already mentioned it too, David. This is a meteoric rise, guys. When you're talking about a young guy that is coming up through the ranks in the good old world of the National Football League and all the coaches, this is a meteoric rise. When you're talking about six years ago, he was the quality control coach for Andy Reid in the Kansas City Chiefs. And now, here he is. He's an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. He's, 30, he's 35 years old. He's younger than Colt McCoy. Yes, typically when when you see a young guy that rises up through the ranks like that, it says they're special, whether it's an offensive-minded guy or a defensive-minded guy like Mike Tomlin. All right, here's Andy Reid during the Super Bowl week, and he was asked how Mike Kafka would be as a head coach. I actually told Mr. Bidwell this, too. Uh, He's a, a very intelligent, great human being. Your quarterback would love him. Uh, he'd challenge him uh, to be better than he even is now. 
but he'd do a, he'd do a great job. He'd challenge the team. Uh, I think the guys would respond. He played in the National Football League. I had a chance to draft him out of Northwestern, and I, you know I think he'd be uh, tremendous for for the city, for the Bidwell family. I'm guessing that word challenge goes a long way. Got to with the decision makers, considering that owner Michael Bidwell told the media in making these moves to start the off season that accountability is an issue. Accountability needs to improve. So, Dave, I, I would surmise they like the sounds of that if he does have that ability to command the room because, as Drew Stanton has said numerous times, you can get the greatest mind on either side of the ball. They can be the world's best coordinator, offensive or defensive. They have to be able to lead men, and I think that's really the bottom line with whomever they hire. I, look, I, I think that's important. I also think, guys, that, you know, because this has been talked about a lot, and I just don't want to dismiss, which is – clearly the biggest question in everybody's mind if you're a Cardinal fan is, you know, what does this mean for Kyler Murray? And is this somebody that can reach Kyler? I think ultimately it's about Kyler taking the next step himself, regardless of whether the Cardinals hire Mike Kafka or a defensive coach or somebody that, you know, we're not even thinking about uh, that may come up here in the next few days. I I just think it it ultimately is about Kyler. Um, You know, I thought Cliff – for for people wanting to say that you know he didn't command the room, you know at some point again you're you're only going to go as far as your your quarterback, and so uh, I think when you you try to look at the characteristics for what you want as a head coach, yes, you want somebody that has a presence, that somebody that people will follow, um, but ultimately if the quarterback plays to the level that he's capable of, and I think we all agree based on what we've seen in snapshots from Kyler Murray, uh, he has a chance to be special. Um, If he takes that next step, whoever they hire is going to be better because he has decided himself to take that next step. And that next step involves far more than just being a better player. It involves being a a, a leader. It it involves being a better teammate. It's all those things. So I I think it goes hand in hand, you know, and and if Mike Kafka is the guy um, there's got to be syn- synchronicity between the two. They have to be on the same page. First of all, guys, so let me just say that I am a huge believer. This is not going to be a shock to either of you. I am a huge believer in the alpha male, and the alpha male being the head coach in that room. I, I, I'm i not saying Cliff wasn't. I have no idea because I was not sitting there. I, I was not inside that paradigm. I have no idea if Cliff Kingsbury was a guy that commanded the room and held people accountable. I, listen, um, for me right now, that is the number one thing I think the Arizona Cardinals need to do is bring in whomever it may be, a guy that is an alpha male head coach, a guy who is indeed going to command the room and challenge, challenge players, challenge coaches, challenge the front office, challenge them all. That is what I want to see them do. And I also want to say this, David, your comment on Kyler Murray is spot on as well. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray has got to have a burning desire in his heart to get right, get healthy and go out and become a better quarterback and a better person in terms of being a man and a leader. He's got to take that personally and take charge of this team going forward. And guys, I think he's going to do it. Buda Baker was asked with Kay Adams on Up and Adams, what exactly Kyler Murray needs in his next head coach? 
I feel like it's going to be more structure, you know, understanding what to do, understanding the little intricate details of the game plan week in and week out. I definitely feel like that coach is going to have to need that for Kyler and for the whole team because, you know, we kind of need that foundation, that that front runner type person that is going to um, show us what we have to do before the week to win. And then we'll go from there. How many times did we hear the two words last season after virtually every game? And I quote, self-inflicted. Those self-inflicted errors that cost the Cardinals games. Little things are big things. And when the little things slip, it becomes a big issue because those little things decide games in the NFL. We all know that. Anybody who watches the game. Let me ask you this, Dave. To what degree then, if we're talking about Kyler, and he's the priority, and obviously the investment says yes indeed, over $200 million worth invested in your franchise quarterback, does Mike Kafka have a competitive advantage just because he's an offensive guy? I think a lot comes down to, you know, what is Mike's philosophy and does that jive with how Kyler views the game? I think I'm sure that's one of the reasons that Monty Asimport talked to Kyler Murray. You know, how does he view the game? How, how does he think offenses are to be successful? Again, I think you have to have – because if, if Kyler views it one way – and whether it's an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach with an offensive coordinator, whoever that guy is, I think has to see things in a similar way. And my guess is that they're at this point with Mike Kafka because he sees things in a similar way that Kyler Murray does about how offensive football should be played. Because if it's the exact opposite, there's going to be a clash. Um, if, If it's, you know, if, if there's room for disagreement, fine. I mean, there's got to be. It's not going to be perfect. But I, I do think there, there must be a connection already in terms of how they view the game and what their philosophy is, is of how to be an offensive team and win games. Otherwise, I don't think Mike Kafka would be at this point in the interviews. You know, what's interesting about it as well, guys, Mike Kafka, of course, is – is a guy that has been working with Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones turned into a dual-threat quarterback this year. Yes. Now, we all know, I know Kyler's coming off the ACL and everything else, but we all know Kyler Murray's already a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones ran it 17 times in a playoff win. Think about that. Think about this, too, guys. The fact that Mike Kafka was front and center for what Brian Dable just did with a Giants team that was coming off its own four-win season. And turned it around yeah, and made the playoffs. Saquon Barkley saying this week to the media about Dable, quote, he's brought energy and a spark. He's brought the entire organization back to life, not just the players, but the whole facility. So Kafka just witnessed that sort of turnaround. Could he do the same for the Cardinals? Or will it be Lou Anarumo? We'll talk about him next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Lines up under center, goes airborne. Did he get the ball knocked out? He did. It's grabbed by the Bengals, racing back down the field. Sam Hubbard to the 50, down to the 40. He's at the 30. Hubbard to the 20. He's going to go all the way. Touchdown, Bengals. Touchdown, Bengals. Sam Hubbard pulls it out of the air and rumbles the length of the field. Touchdown, Cincinnati. This place is going nuts. Bengals lead 23-17, to go. What a play. 98 yards on the fumble return by Sam Hubbard 
in that Cincinnati playoff win against the Baltimore Ravens. One of the plays of the postseason, the entire season that was. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash, joining us here, talking about the Cardinals finalists, the head coaching candidates. And gentlemen, it couldn't be more different, right? Couldn't be more different, the two candidates. Offense versus defense, 35-year-old Mike Kafka against 56-year-old defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Wolf, just, I mean, give me a gut feel and... How tight do you think this race is? And if it ends up being Anarumo, why? What are his selling points? Yeah, you know, Paulie, that's a great question right now. We're not sitting in that room. We're not asking the questions. We don't hear the answers. And that really puts us at a great disadvantage. But from the outside looking in right now, I, you guys know I want a defensive-minded guy. That to me. I want a defensive-minded guy because I think Kyler Murray needs that separation from that coach, where suddenly you've got a defensive-minded head coach who's not going to be working with Kyler Murray on a daily basis, not going to be working with him like he was an offensive coordinator or working with him like he was a quarterback coach, but a guy that is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals going forward. So I think that separation between his franchise quarterback and whoever the head coach is, a defensive-minded guy, I like that. That's number one. Number two, a lot of the young guys like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Ah, man, I'd love to see them get a little bit of love right here with a defensive-minded head coach. Number three, every defensive-minded head coach I've ever been around, guys, has always had a more physical mentality. And you guys know I want that physical mentality. I'm not saying that Mike Kafka doesn't have that. Uh, For all I know, he does. He wants to get in 32 personnel or jumbo and run the power. (laughs) I have no idea, but I do know that I want a culture that is about the game of football being hard. And you've got to practice like it's hard. And you've got to play in a very physical kind of way. I want to see the culture of the Arizona Cardinals tap into the essence of the game. All right, Dave, here's the head coach, Zach Taylor of Cincinnati, who was asked about Lou Anarumo and his potential as a head coach. Yeah, he'd be a great head coach. He's extremely smart. He's got the players' best interests in mind. He wants to put them in their best positions to succeed. It's not about this is the scheme and we're just going to do it, whether it fits the guys or not. He's constantly evolving it to make sure that we're putting our guys in position to do the things that that hit their strengths. He does a great job adjusting over the course of the week, over the course of the game. That's from Bengals.com. You know how these things go, Dave. Typically, a team will go from one type of head coach to a different type of head coach, offense or defense, players coach versus disciplinarian. If that's the case, then they're probably going to go to Lou Anarumo following a Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because it, it, it feels like we know more about Lou Anarumo because he's older, but Mike Kafka has been in the NFL only a couple of years longer. You know, I joked with you guys earlier about that memorable bowl game uh, when Mike Kafka was the quarterback in Northwestern. Well, that was 2010, uh, New Year's Day 2010. Lou Anarumo was the DB's coach at Purdue that year. Wow. Um, you know, he's only been in the NFL for about a decade, but I, I, I think when you look at, you know, people have thrown out some of the numbers with Cincinnati and they said, well, you know, you look at the numbers and they don't stand out, but look at the playoff numbers, look at what they've done in real situations in the playoffs when it matters most. And his defenses have been very good. 
And I think they've had good players. I don't think they've had elite players on that defense. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But, you know, guys, we, we went from, you know, Bruce Arians, and they wanted somebody who, you know, was different. So they went with a defensive-minded head coach. And we saw Steve Wilkes do some things in training camp. And we, we were like, wow, uh, we haven't seen that. Um, and then, obviously, we know what happened week one. We could all tell that, uh, boy, this, this was not going to work. And obviously, it you know barely lasted the year, and the Cardinals were already looking to move on. So, yeah, I think ultimately it's about personnel, it's about the players, it's about your quarterback, it's about the group you have on defense, and they have to get better on the defensive line uh, and on the edges. But I, I I think you know you've got two guys that are different in the sense one guy's 36, the other guy's 56. Um, you know, one guy's an offensive coach, the other guy's a defensive coach. Uh, I I have to think at this point a lot of it comes down to you know, how do you think? Because again, if Lou Anarumo is the coach, well, who's your offensive coordinator? Right. Who's the person you're going to bring in that's going to work closest with Kyler Murray? It's not going to be Lou. It's going to be whoever the offensive coordinator is. So, um, there, there, it's almost like there's a secondary piece if you go defense that you really have to think long and hard about. Whereas if you hire an offensive-minded head coach, you're picking that person because you feel that they will connect best with Kyler Murray. Yep. And you try and figure those out, right? You try and figure that out during the interviews. Uh, you know, what's his process? How does he think? Here's a little glimpse into Lou Anarumo, him talking about just the teaching aspect of coaching on Bengals.com. Try to make sure that uh, the guys understand that what we're giving them and what we're trying to teach them, we're going to be passionate about it and take out and eliminate all the gray. So what, what, they're going to know exactly what their job responsibilities are and, and make sure we're paying attention to detail. Come on, put your eyes on your work. Find a receiver. Find a receiver. Three hard steps to the ball. We understand that the players are in tough situations, and so we want to make sure that, A, we're getting these guys to play as hard and as fast as possible, uh, getting them to play with great passion and getting them to play for each other. You step out on the field this year and you say to yourself, I am better than all these dudes that are lining up across from me. I'm faster than them. I'm tougher than them. I'm going to be smarter than them because I'm going to play with leverage and don't stress ever. He's known for making great halftime adjustments, Lou Anarumo. And he's also known for being a, a no-nonsense guy. Staten Island Lou, right? He brings that sort of attitude and swagger with him as well. So when you sort of stack them up, Wolf, a tail of the tape, these two finalists, I mean, what Man. jumps out to you? Yeah, that's a great question, Paulie. Honestly, based on what David just said in regard to Mike Kafka, um, if you were an owner, you, you've invested $230 million into Kyler Murray. And because of that, I do believe that that really helps Mike Kafka um, in terms of being the next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. But again, um, I think it, it, so much of it would be predicated on who Lou Anarumo would bring in as that offensive coordinator. Who's going, to, who's going to work with Kyler Murray? What what possibilities are out there? It's just things we don't know right now. And it's really interesting and very difficult to determine who's got the lead right now, who's, who's the front runner. Um, is it a possibility Vance Joseph is still in the mix in terms of being a defensive coordinator? If Mike Kafka is going to be your head coach, is that a possibility? You know, either one, Anarumo and him work together in Miami. Exactly. So you're you're right about that. So Paul. I mean, you know, yeah. So that to me is what is interesting about this. Who do you trust? And 
If you're sitting in that room and you're asking the questions, direct pointed questions to these guys, their answers could be the difference in this whole thing. Let's listen to an answer from Buda Baker this week. He was on with Kay Adams up in Adams. And Dave responded to this, what Buda said when he was asked what he wants in a head coach. I like real, you know, just be real, you know, whatever that is, just be yourself. Don't be anything else. Don't be anything different. You don't got to try to put any type of front with anybody. Just be real, be who you are, whether that's a, you know, a loud mouth or whether that's a quiet, more, you know, humble-ish type person. So just be whoever you are and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. I mean, if you, if you want to instill accountability, that's the way B.A. used to do it, for example, right? He kept it all the way real. Well, look, guys, I think you have to have somebody that, yeah, players are, are very smart. They can see through uh, somebody that's fraudulent, right? They can see through that. So you want to get somebody who, whatever comes out of his mouth, mouth first, that first team meeting, whenever he's hired, you're hearing a lot of the same things in training camp. Uh, the, you know, you want somebody that that first impression sticks with you and you say, okay, this is, this is somebody that, hey, he's real. I mean, I may not love everything he has to say, but I like the fact that he's a straight shooter because, again, players see through that. But, but ultimately, look, this with, with Kyler Murray's injury situation, guys, and not knowing the time frame, th- this is a higher, whoever it ends up being, that it, it, you're making this move. And, and, again, it's similar to when the Cardinals hired Cliff. You're making this move for, for years to come. It's not just about this year, even though I do think the Cardinals – are in, in terms of overall personnel, they do have a lot of players. They have a lot of holes, but they also have a lot of players uh, that are guys that are Pro Bowl level, and Buda obviously is one of them, multiple Pro Bowls already under his belt. You, you've got to find somebody who you think can not only meet these guys and reach these guys now, but that it's sustainable. So, it, yeah, I, I think someone that's real and that you respect and appreciate, that, that's got to stay. It, it, it can't wane when things get tough if you get off to a poor start. If this is a year where you're trying to just get back to where you were a couple years ago when you had all your weapons and Kyler was 100%. Because that, that may take some time, guys. Not that Colt can't go in there. If Colt McCoy is your starter week one, we've seen it. Colt can win games for you. Uh, you can still be competitive. And, and that's why, again, I think it's important to have somebody that that first impression, it, it, when it, training camp starts and then when the season starts, the voice, the message is the same, and it's a message that you respect. And that's a great segue because if you're talking about the poor start last year and you have to wonder if training camp was tough enough, Buda Baker alluded to as much, recently and on pro football talk isaiah simmons was a guest this week and here's what he had to say about cards camp in training camp you could tell that maybe at times it's a little relaxed it was a little too relaxed you know training camp that's when you really find out a lot about your team definitely and at times i felt like a lot of that carried over into the season you know with people being maybe too relaxed interesting it's something we we've talked about and surmised about it you know what you know, the positive there is that the players know it. The yeah. players, the players yeah. 
are citing it. And so when it's from the inside out, Wolf, that makes me a little more bullish on enacting some serious change. Again, once, Paul, I've talked about it for a long time, but I am an old school guy and I'm no longer apologizing for being an old school guy. You got to go out and you got to practice the game of football hard. There's an old saying, you play like you practice and you practice like you play. Now, I realize you can't go full go. I understand there's only so many padded practices you can have throughout a year <laughs> in the National Football League. I'm talking about the entire season. Um, so you've got to be mindful of all of this, of course. But I think you can still go at a good tempo with nothing but shells on. And when I say shells, I'm talking about the foamy pads where you really don't have any pads on. You can still get a lot of work done. I just don't know if you need walkthroughs. Debo Samuel was talking this week about how hard the 49ers practice, for example, right? And then you got to figure out a way to stay healthy. I mean, you look at the two offensive lines that are in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs missed two games by a starter all year. The Eagles missed three games by a starter all year. So, you know, and to your point earlier, Dave, if you can stay healthy and you can instill maybe a little bit of this discipline and what have you, how far away do you think the roster is? I mean, how did the Giants go from four wins to 11 wins in a playoff victory with Daniel Jones. If you get this head coach higher right, five of the 10 teams this season that had a new head coach made the playoffs. I mean, it's not out of the realm yeah. of possibility because 18 months That's ago you were 10 and 2. Right. It is the NFL, and you have an all world type talent at Saquon Barkley who's in a contract year and was healthy and was unbelievable. And Daniel Jones played great, and he found the right system for him and had the right coaching staff for him. But, you know, I want to go back to Isaiah Simmons' comments because I think this is something to keep in mind, too. You know, we're talking about flipping things and going from being a a non-playoff team to being a playoff team. Uh, You know, Isaiah Simmons has to play better. I understand what he's saying about, you know, camp was, in his opinion, uh, you know, wasn't competitive enough. And should he have played in the preseason? Yeah, he should have. He, He was not ready. He was not in a position where the coaching staff should have sat him. And he needed reps. He still needs reps. And they need to find uh, the right coaches to, to put him in a situation where he can succeed. Make a determination on what you think he is. Put him there. Don't make the same mistake with him that you made with Hassan Reddick. Put him there. But he also has to play better. You know, again, it's easy for players to say, well, camp was like this. And, yeah, we got off to a bad start and injuries. But, you know, you're a first-round pick. You know, this is kind of make it or break it year for him. And I'm not counting him out because I think, you know, you talk about Hassan Reddick being a model of somebody that, you know, was a first-round pick because he was a tremendous athlete. Well, find a way to, to give him confidence. Put him in a place where he can succeed so that he gets confident. So then all of a sudden the guy's a game wrecker and a game changer. You drafted him for that reason. So some of that's on him and some of it's on the staff to find the best way to use him. And not just him, but plenty of other guys. You know, Zayvon Collins, what's the next step for him? Um, and you look at these teams that go from being, you know, out of the postseason to being real competitors, uh, you know, a lot of them, the the talent didn't change much. So obviously the coaches found a way to get the most out of them, but also these guys, they they determined that, Hey, this is, this is it for me. You know, I've got a chance to make a lot of money. I've got a chance to get that second contract. Uh, I'm going to step up and and I'm going to produce in a way that, you know, I haven't before. And if, if Isaiah Simmons does that, there's some other guys in this roster, if they do that, uh, then the Cardinals have a chance to, 
be a much better team in 2023. And since we're talking about players right here, let me bring back Buda Baker as well. When Buda Baker was talking about the coaches, he's got to be real. Remember, he said that he's got to be real. You yep. know, whether that's screaming or or not screaming, whatever it may be, he's got to be himself. He's got to be real. The thing I appreciate the most when we talk about players, and you think of Buda Baker, he never needed another human being to get him ready to play in an NFL game. That you need more guys like Buda Baker. Monty Ossenfort knows that. You need more guys that are built like Buda Baker is mentally, where you don't need somebody to scream at you. You don't depend on somebody to get you ready for a game. You get yourself ready for the game as a pro, because this is how you support your family. For me, that's what they can do better. Everybody involved, and that is get more Buda Baker type guys in that locker room. And who did Monty Ossenfort hire as his assistant GM? Dave Sears from Detroit. Right. And they spent the last two years looking for those sorts of dudes, that exact sort of player, that mindset. Episode 55 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring actor and comedian Frank Caliendo. Available now at your preferred podcast provider via Twitter at PashPod. Uh, if you want infotainment leading into the Super Bowl, you want Frank Caliendo. That is for sure. Dave, we appreciate it. You're in New Orleans. Uh, when you see Zion Williamson... Tell him that uh, the Suns are waiting to oust him from the playoffs again, this time with KD, okay? So go ahead and talk some trash. And also, David, ha- have some gumbo for me, please. <laughs> A lot of gumbo. Oh. It's Wolf. Yeah, I know that, Wolf, this is probably your favorite place on earth in terms of food. We'll <laughs> yeah. try to eat yeah. well for you. Yeah, okay. Etouffee! Thank you, Dave. Dave Bash, voice of the Cardinals. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. The Eagles have been the NFC's best team all season long. Zero's on the clock, and they will carry that momentum with big wins in the divisional round against the Giants and here in the championship round against San Francisco all the way to Arizona and Super Bowl 57. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl again. A convincing 31-7 win over San Francisco. It is over! The Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. The Chiefs win the AFC Championship and get revenge against the Bengals. 23-20, the final at Arrowhead. It'll be the Chiefs and the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. And that's how we got here in the AZ. The final calls, courtesy of Westwood One. Ian Eagle there, preceded by Kevin Harlan. Both teams have scored 546 points this season, Ron Wolfley. It's the first time two number one seeds have squared off in a Super Bowl since the 2017 season, the Eagles and Patriots. And because you look like you want a trivia question, here you go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, Polly. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfie, it's a Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. The most watched Super Bowl ever was? I have no idea, Paul. In terms of TV viewers? Yes. Stay local. How about Super Bowl 49? 
The last time it was here in Arizona. Indeed. So that was Everybody wishing they were here in Arizona, of course. Patriots Seahawks went down to the final play, went down to the goal line, as we know. Right, Malcolm Butler? That's right. Yes. Yes. 115-plus million viewers. Oh, my goodness. And they're saying with the star power in this game, if it is a close game, it definitely has the potential to eclipse the last time it was in Arizona and the most-watched Super Bowl ever. What do you think? How closely wow. contested will this game be? Polly, you know, that's a great question. It really is. Um, I'm hoping for this right here. Going into the fourth quarter, this is a contested Super Bowl. That's what I want to see. I don't care who wins, Polly. I really don't. Going into the fourth quarter, I want to see a contest. I want to see a game that is up for grabs. And to me, when you talk about this, the dynamics of this game, where do you begin You begin with the fact that Kansas City Chiefs are the number one pass offense in the National Football League, and the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one pass defense Mm. in the National Football League. Paulie, are you kidding me? That's just stunning to me. Number one in yards per game and number one in yards per play. Both of these teams, number one, you put the two together, there's just no denying it whatsoever. And not only that, too, it comes down to the Philadelphia Eagles and their pass rush. Number one in sacks per attempt. We know it. Here comes Hassan Reddick. Here comes Brandon Graham. Here comes the Philadelphia Eagles and their pass rush coming after you, Pat Mahomes. Do the Kansas City Chiefs have the kind of offense they need to combat this because that's how the Eagles drain it out of a quarterback. It's one of the reasons why they're also number six in interception ratio in the National Football League. The Eagles' defense, because of the pressure they can get on a quarterback, is that going to be Pat Mahomes? And what about the wide receiver room for the Kansas City Chiefs? It's performed very, very well all season long. So this, to me, is going to be the premier matchup of the game. So someone brought it up. They, another trivia question. What's the record for most sacks in a Super Bowl by a team? The answer is seven. And a lot of Eagles fans are talking about that because of an Eagles defense that has 78 sacks, including playoff games this year, 70 in the regular season. Oh, boy. And that has been topped only twice in the modern era of football, both by those Bears teams in 84 and 85. They had 82 and 80. And those two teams, those Bears wow, teams. Okay. So think about that. This Eagles pass rush is historically good. And then think about the last time Patrick Mahomes lost a Super Bowl. It was against the Buccaneers, and it was against Todd Bowles. And what exactly did they do? They sacked him three times, and they hit and harassed him about 30 times in that game. So just like Tom Brady would lose his Super Bowls, how do you go ahead and and defeat Patrick Mahomes, will you get to the quarterback? That's good, Paul. And especially if he has that bum ankle. Now, he's saying all the right things. We'll see. Here's the rub on this, Wolf. If you get into some of the numbers and the analytics, and I'll just I'll just get into this a little bit, Mahomes has generated more than twice as much passing EPA, which is expected points against, right, against the Blitz as any other quarterback since he took over as a starter in 2018. In other words, he's been twice as effective as any other quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz. Wow, yeah, that is just good. That's knowing what to do. That's knowing where you're going with the ball. That's pre-snap read right there by a quarterback as well. And then, Paulie, I think you got to flip it over. And you look at the Eagles and their offense, their rush offense against the Kansas City Chiefs in that rush defense. These are the dynamics of the game, man, that just fascinate me 
right now. You're talking about a team, an Eagles team, that is number one in terms of rushing yards per game in the postseason right now. They were number five, as a matter of fact, all season long. They run the ball. They've got the best offensive line in the National Football League yep. with Jason Kelsey as their center, and they run the ball, and they do it better than anybody else. The Kansas City Chiefs' rush defense has gotten a lot better than what we historically have seen in the Pat Mahomes era, but it's still... To me, they're Achilles' heel. And I wonder how much of that is going to be a true statement when they square off because they're number 31 in the red zone as well. All season long, the Chiefs' defense has not been good at stopping other teams once they got into their red zone. They're plus 20 in. They have not been good. Number 31. Why is that? Because they've struggled to stop the run from time to time, and that is what the Eagles do better than anyone else in the NFL. So that offensive line, and I agree, if you're to go ahead and you're put the tail of the tape in these two teams, I think where the Eagles are definitely decisively better is along the offensive line. When the Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, I mean, just that offensive line, and it's good. So what can they do against Chris Jones? Because we know that beyond the quarterbacks, who was the key last year? It was Aaron Donald. So if Chris Jones, a guy who in the AFC Championship had eight pressures, and on those eight plays, there were three sacks, two by himself, and five incompletions. Yes. If Chris Jones can be that guy, and he was talking to the media about, oh, yeah, they're going to move him up and down the line. It's not just going to be so simple as him lining up in the same spot. I love rep that. Rep after rep. Paulie, I love that right there. What is the most destructive defensive force in the football universe? A free technique that you can't block. <laughs> That's oh, why. Oh, baby. To me. If Jalen Carter out of Georgia is that guy, if he's the next Chris Jones, the next Aaron Donald, dare I say, if he's that dude, if he's him, you make him your pick at number three if you're the Arizona Cardinals. I just got to talk to him. Is that okay, Polly? Can I talk to him, see what kind of motor he's got? Can I do that? Hey, it's a Cardinal season ticket priority list, and look at some of the opponents beyond the division. You got the Giants, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Falcons, and the Bengals all coming to town next season at State Farm Stadium. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for all your info, azcardinals.com slash priority list. We'll come back more about the Super Bowl. Might even get a prediction out of Ron Wolfley next on the big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. What? And looks out of the shotgun. He takes it. Facing pressure. He's in trouble. He spun around. He's able to get away. Looks to throw. He does downfield. And a leaping catch is made. Down at the 25. What a play. Nima Tyree comes up with the ball. Morris is to the left. And here is Manning throwing for the end zone. Touchdown! The Giants are back on top with only 35 seconds remaining. And it takes, puts the knee down, and that will win. And one of the biggest upsets in NFL history, the Giants have beaten the previously unbeaten Patriots and have won Super Bowl 42 in the shotgun. There's the snap, it's built high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson at the goal line. 20 seconds left. Back memories, big time memories. I was sitting Wolf. I was sitting auxiliary press for that last Super Bowl 49 here in the AZ. 
That's code for three rows from the very top of the building. Okay, oh, that's where you needed to be, too, Paul. <laughs> that's right. And so everyone thought the Super Bowl was going one way with one victor, and then, boom, Malcolm Butler decided it the other way. If there's one thing State Farm Stadium does better than any other venue in the NFL, dare I say, playoff football, NFL postseason football, I mean, Almost always something crazy is in store in that building. So whether it was Super Bowl 49 and the way that came down, or we heard Super Bowl 42, 2007, where that unbeaten Patriots team, the David Tyree catch yes. by the Giants. Just think about some of the drama in that building. I mean, Super Bowls and, and then Cardinals. Hail Larry, for example, in the 15 <laughs> playoffs, right? Yeah, no, Paulie. The, the building, of course, has seen an awful lot of that goodness right there. Think about this, too. The Philadelphia Eagles, they played there. This year, and they won there. The Kansas City Chiefs, guess what, Paulie? They played there, and unfortunately, they won there. And then when I think of the teams that are playing over at State Farm Stadium in Super Bowl 57, the very first thing I think of is Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. Paulie, this is prediction time, Paulie. Against second team All-Pro. And you know what? I'm going to buy you some time for your prediction because I just want (laughs) to... I just want to throw out what Roger Goodell had to say at his annual commissioner press conference, giving a shout out to Arizona, just as State Farm Stadium as the host, the yeah. Cardinals as the host team, the Valley as the host city. I mean, think about, you know, everything that's gone into it for how many years and we do mean years of planning. And and for the commissioner who usually waits till after a Super Bowl to give the plaudits and the props yeah. for him to say it before the game even kicked off. So that was something. And that's a credit to Michael Bidwell and Larry Fitzgerald, Jay Perry, chairman of the Super Bowl committee. So you tell me, Wolf, how's this game going to go? Who's going to win? What's the score? Let's see. Patrick Mahomes has been to three Super Bowls counting this one. Yep. He's one and one. Jalen Hurts, zero and zero. I believe he's going to be 0-1. and one. I think Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes and goes 2-1 and one in this Super Bowl. See, I want to go the Eagles. I want to say talent trumps the experience, but too many people are taking the Eagles, and so I'm going to go the Chiefs, in a cl- and I think it's going to be bookends. They started their season with a win in that stadium. I think they're going to end the season 31-27. We'll see what happens. We'll see if it goes down to the wire. Special thanks, Jim Omohundro and Cody Fincher. For Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, on Paul Calvisi, this has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Chaw!